scripture. I had a couple of uh, uh, things that I just, a couple stories in the Bible that I wanted to comment on this morning, and I, I will be brief. I believe that the Lord has brought us together for a beautiful day. Enjoyed the rain, kind of cooled everything off and kind of washed everything. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite and still favorite today, and I'm trying to remember if it actually started off in black and white. Some of you may know. But one of my favorite programs on TV, and you got to realize my generation is the generation that produced Father Knows Best, uh, all, of the, um, all of the healthy family programs, all the good quality, had some kind of theme or some kind of moral. And you never, know, you never knew what the theme was going to be on Gilligan's Island. You never knew, you never knew, and I mean, it was such a, it lasted several years. And what is so ironic is that to this day, I have never seen the closing sequel of when they were rescued. I have never, uh, if you have that, make a copy of it. I like to watch that. And uh, I, I never had a crush on Ginger. I always had a crush on Mary Ann. I was always the Tom girl kind of uh, guy and had a crush on Mary Ann. But one particular um, uh, event was that there was a, a country star his boat wound up on the island, and uh, they they cooked for him. They put a little special thing together for him. And I remember Ginger, Mary Ann, and Mrs. Howell sang a little song. And it was just a just one of those songs you just remember the words. And it's, the theme of the song was, You Need Me. And the three of them did a little trio thing. And like the flowers need the bee, like the birds need a tree, you need me. Catchy little tune. Well, the little country star there listening to all this singing he decided that he didn't want them to come back to the mainland and be competition so he left them there it's really not a very good ending of that of that story but I thought I thought the past couple of weeks the past the, the season of harvest has been the season of we really need one another to do what God has called us to do and to be what God has wanted us to be and we visited several scriptures in, in the past two weeks. We looked at the scripture found in Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 that talks about two are better than one for they enjoy the fruit of their labor. It is a documented fact, and they have determined uh, how much weight one ox can pull. And when they determine that weight, they hook that ox up with another ox, and they pull the weight, and the weight didn't double it quadrupled four times as much, and you would expect two times as much because there were two, there were two oxen. But there's there, there's just something about working together. When uh, when I was uh, the the when I was divorced, Pastor Rhonda came to Dalton Church of God. I was preaching revival there at Cedar Valley, and I was doing a kids thing at the same time during the day. They had a full school, and I was doing convocations for the kids. And then I was doing the, uh, the the night services, and the little what. Before I spoke, they were all having a little singing, little, little singing some songs, and they did the song when we all pulled together. And I won't go through the motions, but Pastor Ron was standing next to me, and so she had to take my hands. It was just one of those she had to. And she was not, she just came to tell me that she forgave me for all the junk I brought in her life, and we not talked about restoration or healing. But I still remember, I don't know if you remember that or not, and we were all, your work, and we were slapping high five. And I just got to thinking about how we really all work together to do what God has called us to do. When you look at Deuteronomy 32 and 30, it says that one can turn a thousand 
and two can turn 10,000. And, you know, I know that sounds like an ambiguous statement, like if one could kill 1,000, how could, how could two kill 10,000? But there were three warriors in the Old Testament that killed 1,000 in one day, and Samson was one of them. With the jawbone of a mule, he slew 1,000 people. And I think about a jawbone of a mule, I think about the two testimonies yesterday, Misha's testimony, phenomenal, and was it Linda, Kenzie? Lindsay, Lindsay's testimony, and I actually met Lindsay after the service and asked to see her tongue. That's just, that's just a kind thing. That's just a, as many of you know, she lost her tongue, and they took a chunk of skin out of her arm and, and built a new tongue. And then she told me they took a bone out of her ankle and built, and built the jaw. I just think, I'm just thinking about how, how amazing those testimonies were and how they changed lives. I mean, I mean not everybody dies. Not everybody dies and comes back and has a testimony to say, here's where I was. And not many people are, are given a six-month life sentence and keeps their cool and keeps their attitude and loves God and trusts God, and God sees them through that. What a phenomenal. The two testimonies yesterday were awesome. And we'll probably show the DVD of Sonia's story. I thought that was powerful. It was incredible. Everybody working together. But, you know, it didn't just happen at the drop of the hat. There were practices, the rehearsals. They went over. They went over it and over it and over it. Um, the girls helping yesterday is not the first time they've helped. They've helped Perry for for months and years. Every time there's an event or something going on, they're a part of that. And it's just neat yesterday to see the teamwork. Now, I I I was a part of the the gathering yesterday. I washed all the dishes in the sink. All the Pastor Rhonda got up at seven o'clock in the morning. And I don't know how many batches of taco soup I gave up on the smells. I think I smelled four batches. She made, how many batches did you make? Five, four batches of taco soup. And uh, I thought what was so cool. So she put all the dirty dishes in the sink. And so I just took it upon myself to wash them. I said, that would, be, that would be a very kind thing to do. So this morning I told her, I said, now, all the dishes in the sink are clean. She said, no, they're not. I said, yeah, they are. She said, no, they're not. I said, yeah, they are. I washed them. She said, when did you wash them? I said, yesterday afternoon, she said, oh, I put all the crock pots in the sink. So all, so I guess when I go home this afternoon, I'm still working for Queen for a day, and I'm still being a part. And, uh, you know, you can't see something like that. Months of planning, and already we're planning for next year, some of the, some of the things we were able to, to keep over for next year, the Esther Project, all the things going on. To me, that is a sign of a healthy church, not just a healthy church, but a healthy church that is willing to share that joy because all that's going to come from that, that seed day after is, is we will be reimbursed by the Lord for what we planted. But for Church of the Harvest to be able to partner with OCI and have a great relationship and have a great, have a great, <coughs> a great day, that's what the kingdom is all about. We come to the house of God to practice on one another. Jesus said, this is the way the world will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. And as we practice on one another, we love one another and do good, good acts of kindness one, one for another, then we take it to the street. We take it to the marketplace. We take it to the, to the workplace. And there, what we learn in the house of God, we practice on one another, and then we take it to the street, and we practice it there. And God, I believe, has given every one of us the ability to make a decision uh, to frown or to smile. And any time there's a smile, it seems like any time there's some encouragement, you give anybody encouragement, it seems like they work twice as hard as they were working. There's just something about you being in someone's life and you being involved in someone's life. And 
I know there are ministries today that you don't actually have to get out of bed Sunday and go to church. You can turn the, the computer on, the laptop, the, 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 the web on, and there you can watch a, t- a program, this program just for people that stay home, watch TV. And they got a little number there you can call in. You can do your tithe and do your offering. You know, things like that scare me because God brought us together as a community. And God brought us together to meet the needs of others. The New Testament church was an incredible church that the Bible says those that were wealthy sold the wealth they had. They brought it to the church. They trusted the leadership. The leadership would find a single mom that needed groceries. The the leadership would find someone that couldn't pay their rent. The leadership would find someone that needed a surgery but didn't have the money for a surgery. I saw on Facebook a couple of days ago where a church gave a kid a $700 tip for delivering pizza. I don't know if you went ahead and read the rest, but it made you cry. It made you cry. That church, I mean, that's not norm. You obviously, you don't give someone a $700 tip for, for delivering one, one pizza. That's an expensive pizza. But, but so, something compelled that church to do that. And then when you follow up the story, you see how that church made a difference in someone's life. And you know, I learned a long time ago that when the world gets in trouble, it's not their beer drinking or their pot smoking or their coke snorting friends they call and get a hold of. They want to get a hold of someone that goes to church, knows how to pray, and not afraid to pray for them and expect results. And so that's the mandate that God has placed upon us. And as the New Testament church, the Bible says they, li- they literally turned the world right side up. They literally turned the- they touched every nation of the world. And I believe the church still has the ability to do that today. I have a Facebook friend. I've never met him. I've never talked to him personally. But uh, he uh, does a lot of conferences, a lot of crusades. He's well-known. He's obviously a very good minister because he goes through some tremendous outlets. But out of the blue Tuesday, he sent me a Facebook uh, private message. At first, when I started reading it, I thought it was just a a message to all of his minister friends. That's what I, and then as I read through the through the content, he mentioned Cleveland, he mentioned us, he mentioned the storm we'd gone through, and then had about three or four paragraphs of prophecy over what God is getting ready to do at harvest. And I so enjoyed, I so, I, I Facebooked him back, and I said, I received that word, I believe that word. That was on a Tuesday. On a Thursday, I have a spiritual son called Will Jones in Jessup, Georgia, Black, incredible preacher, incredible minister, calls me Papa, and uh, he he Facebooked me and said, "Hey, Papa, I got a word for you." So I I gave him my cell phone. I said, "Call me." He called me, almost verbatim. It's almost as if he read the Facebook from Doug Lackey when he when he when he began to share. I said, "Son, two days ago, not a seasoned man of God shared that very word." And then yesterday, as we were sharing with Jeff and Shanna Coover, Jeff said that you know when you came to our church, your ministry made a difference. We want you to come back as soon as you can. And I said, sure, I will. So it's, it's good to know that God is blessing this house. God has his hand upon this house, and God can do whatever he wants with this house. He has permission. We really, really want to sell this facility. We have a beautiful piece of land. We, had a, we have a beautiful building. It has a beautiful platform. It has drapes, actual curtains that we can close, and if we don't like it, we can shut the drapes, you know, we just close right there while you're, while you're speaking. But I just wanted to comment this morning from a story found in Judges, the first chapter. We'll read it, and then we'll come back and kind of look at some of the spiritual highlights. But I I think the point that I'm making is the point of being together, being in unity, doing what God has called us to do. What happens when God touches what you're blessing? What happens when God 
touches your blessing. There is a title this morning, guys. It is the title, The Power of the Beam. The Power of the Beam. And I'm not talking about Beam Me Up Scotty. I'm talking about The Power of the Beam. First verse. Now, after the death of Joshua, and as we begin to share this story, Joshua is going to represent Jesus in the story. The children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. The word Judah means praise. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Simeon means hearer of the word. So a praiser, ask a hearer of the word, come up with me into my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with thee into thy lot. So Simeon went with him. And the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Perizzites into their hand. And they slew of them in Bezek 10,000 men. One can turn 1,000. Two can turn 10,000. Three can turn 100,000. Four can touch a million. Four people walking in unity harmony of what God has to say can touch the world. And through the, the joint efforts of Marcus and Joan and Hank and Rhonda, we have shared our story to the world. Our story has gone into every television set that plays Christian television. Our story has go, gone into 129 countries. Four people in agreement. Four people saying, this is our goal. This is what we'd like to see happen. One can turn 1,000, which is, which is incredible. Two can turn 10,000. And if you do the math, we have the ability in this sanctuary, four of us, that we can actually touch the world. And how many knows the world desperately needs to be touched? The world is in trouble, and I believe that we are the answer for the trouble. And they slew the Canaanites. Oh, let me back up to verse 5. And they found Adonai Bezek and Bezek, and they fought against him, and they slew the Canaanites and Perizzites. But Adonai Bezek fled, and they pursued after him and caught him and cut off his thumbs and his great toes. And Adonabezek said, Three score and ten kings, having their thumbs and their great toes cut off, gathered their meat under my table, as I have done, so God has required of me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and there he died. Incredible story. And I believe that before Jesus died, he said, the works that I do, shall you do also? But I got to die. I got to die. I got to take the sting of death. I got to take the key of hell. I got to take the gates of, 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 of I got to take that away from the devil. So I got to die. So after he died, he left 12 disciples that turned into 500, turned into 5,000, turned 150, turned into a million. They changed the world. But there had to be a death. And we honor the cross, and we, we cherish the cross, and we look to the cross. But it's not just an emblem that represents us or, or it's something that means something to us. We should have died. We didn't because he died for us. What a price, what a, what a sacrifice, what a love that he extended. So after the Lord dies, there's a, there's a battle going on in the world. And these two guys, Judah, a praiser, and Simeon, a hear the word, go into, go into unity, go into harmony. And there they defeat the enemy, 10,000 enemy. They find Adonai Bezik. In the Hebrew, Adonai means Lord. In, in the Hebrew, Bezik means land. So Adonai Bezik, his name is Lord of the land, which is another name for Satan. And here's what happens. The Bible says, 
they chase the enemy, and the enemy flees. The Word says if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. I don't believe that resistance is go away or leave me alone or, or stay out of my, but I believe that resistance is a confrontational resistance. It's like the resistance in World War II. There was an underground army that was defeating the Nazis because they were not afraid to stand for what they believed in, and that resistance turned Hitler and his forces, and we know the rest of the story. But there is a resistance today that the church of Jesus Christ is, is putting out against the devil. There, how many knows that we are under attack? How many knows the enemy does not play fair? He loves to play with discouragement, depression, fear, divorce, all those D words. That's, that's, that's the way he rolls. The Bible says in Daniel, in the last days, the number one attack of the enemy will be to wear out the saints of the Most High God. And have you ever felt wore out lately? Have you just felt like the, if it's not one thing, it's the other get the battery fixed, and then it's the transmission, and it's the fuel pump, and then it's this, and then it's that, and then your neighbor T-bones you. Hello, anybody with me? It's like we try to stay out of everybody's hair, try to leave everybody alone and do what we're called to do, and it just seems like there's this battle because the devil is, ter when I say the devil, I'm talking about territorial, generational, familiar, the, the enemy hates what we're trying to do in this city. It hated that two children got saved yesterday. It hated that 28 girls lifted their hand and said, I need to give my heart to the Lord. It hated the fact that over 100 ladies lifted their hands yesterday saying, I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I'm really going through stuff. It hated Lindsay's testimony. It hated Misha's testimony. It hated everything that we did yesterday. But I believe in heaven there was a smile. I believe in heaven there was a clap. I believe in heaven there was a shout. I don't know, I don't know how the angels... Uh, honor churches on earth, but I believe it's kind of like the same way that Leroy Gibbs would do it. Hoorah! Yesterday, I believe all of heaven was going, hoorah! I believe some of them were har harmonizing, hoorah! I believe that there were tenors, hoorah! I believe there were sopranos, hoorah! I believe that yesterday, heaven rejoiced because the church of Jesus Christ got off its dove, got out of its corner, got off the back row, and actually made something happen to somebody else. I hate, and the girls are going to hate me, I hate that we can't do that every week. I hate, I hate that we couldn't take on that Esther project every month. I hate that. And obviously, there's a reason why it's once a year, and it's a reason why God is raising it up and sending it to everybody else. But yesterday was the church of Jesus Christ 100% in action. And this morning, we got up and came to the house of the Lord. I remember um, it's probably several years ago, I got up one Sunday morning, and I told Ron, I said, I'm not going to church. I'm tired, wore out, I mowed, whatever I did, fished, deer hunted. I said, I'm tired. I'm not, I'm not going to church. She said, you have to go to church. I said, no, I don't. I'm my free person. I can do whatever I want. I'm not going to church. She said, you have to go to church. I said, give me one reason why I have to go to church. She says, because you're preaching, and I don't have anything prepared. And that was a good enough reason to get up and go to church. And, you know, I want to say something today. Do we have to go to church? No, we get to. Do we have to praise God? No, we get to. Do we have to bring a tithe and offering to God? No, we get to. Do we have to be happy? No, we get to. And, again, we can't do queen for a day, obviously, every day of our life. 
but there are times when we can go to the grocery store and we can see a little single mom struggling with some groceries and we can just tell the cashier, I'll take care of that. There's, listen, I don't know if you've ever done that before. And obviously I don't do it too often because I need groceries. You, you know that. But when you do that, there's, and again, I believe when you do that one individual act of kindness, I believe heaven goes, hoorah. I believe heaven goes, good job. That's, that's what the kingdom of God is all about. So as these two warriors took on Adonabezik and killed 10,000, here's what I, they took Adonabezik and they cut his thumbs off, and thumbs represent your grip. It is easy sometimes in the kingdom of God to lose your grip. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Have you ever, ever felt wore out? Have you ever felt if one more person asked me to do one more thing, can anybody relate? That's why we have caller ID. Our attitude is, nope, ain't going to mess with that one today. They'll call back. Can, 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 anybody, can anybody relate to what Pastor was saying? But it is, so, it is so easy to feel like burnout. How about, how about burnout? Just, you're just burnt out doing the right thing. How about you're in a wrong environment, things are bad, the job is bad, the people you work with are bad, and you're trying, to do the, you're trying to do the right thing. Just come to a place in your life where you're just literally wore out. And that, again, that's a, that's a trick of the enemy. That's a trap of the enemy. The Bible tells us how to refresh ourselves. The Bible tells us how to plug into the word of God, how to pursue that joy unspeakable and full of glory, the peace that passeth all understanding. Two reasons why people do drugs, joy and peace, the high and low of drugs, what the world's looking for. God has placed in us, and not just placed in us, but with permission to give it to whoever we want. And when you open the door for somebody, and, and, and when you pay for somebody's groceries, or you, or I'm bad about if someone's broke down, I'm not a mechanic, I don't have a tool, one, that would heal any problem they have. But I can't stand for someone to be stranded on the side. At least I got a phone. At least I, got some, at least I can tell them, man, if I can help you, I would. But I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on in here. But there's just something about one person helping one person, God blessing that, and God rewarding that. And you know what? It's so, it is so fun sometimes just to go out and see what kind of trouble you can stir up. Anybody been there? Just go, go to Walmart on purpose and look for people that really look like they could just need a word of encouragement or a smile or something. Even, even a cashier, even, am I being redundant? Is anybody getting the point is that we come here and we get all this love and all this mercy and all this grace, and it's like we've got it stored up in compartments of our heart, but we never release it. We never turn it loose. We never let it go. And that's the reason we come to the house of God is to get plug your it's like an electric car. You plug in for a while. You, you enjoy the worship. enjoy the praise. You, you're worshiping together. You go in the presence of God. God starts walking around, and God starts pro providing healings and miracles and rest and direction. And then you leave the house of God and say, man, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. By the way, did you notice that pastor wasn't wearing any socks? I mean, church is so fun. You come and see so many things. You're involved with so many things. And you have to laugh sometimes. But a lot of times, we need to regain our grip. We need to get our grip back. Cut the toes off. When you cut your toes off, you lose your balance. And again, if we're not careful as a church, we'll get so hung up. And I'm, I'm not against, I promise you, if I were to guess, I have probably preached in at least 350 different churches, at least. And I go to churches with stained glass windows. I go to churches with beautiful gardens, beautiful lobby. I'm not against all of that. But if we're not careful, our priorities can get more attached to appearance 
and what we look like and what the church looks like, then the, then the fact is there's people out there that really need what we have. They really need to hear what we have to say. And then sometimes if, if you're ever if you're ever with me, I was walking into the gas station today and there was a girl there and uh, obviously needed 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 money for a bus ride. She said, I've I've got to get an ID. I can't get on the bus. I've lost my I've lost my ID. I've got three dollars. I need seven dollars. And so you know what you know what I did, Jean? I said, show me your $3. And sure enough, she went into her pocket, and, and, and it really it, there were $3 there. And I, I think I had about $9 in my wallet, whatever I had. I gave it to her knowing I met a need today. She really, she really needed an ID. She really needed to get home. And it's like, I don't know, for about an hour, you, you kind of walk on cloud nine like, I just did what Jesus would do. I just, that's, that's what he told. I didn't know her. I didn't, you know what? $9 right now is $9. Can I get a witness? I think I took all the change out of the ashtray and got that nine. No, I, I mean, I mean there, there are times in your life when it's not really the amount that you give, but it's the attitude in which you get it, the, the volunteering to do something, the volunteering to be a part, the volunteering to make a difference in someone else's life. And I'm not picking on anybody today, but if I mowed lawns, this church would have the nicest lawn in America. If I was a plumber, every toilet in this church would work. If I was an electrician, hello, every, so far we've got all the lights going on. If I was a carpet layer, I'd lay all that carpet. Bring the gift you have. Well, God, everyone in this, let me, let me, let me stop right there because I don't want to get into part two. We're headed to part two. I've got 16 minutes to get there. So here's what happens. They cut off his thumbs. They cut off his toes. And he said, 70 kingdoms have I conquered. 70 kings have I cut their, tum, their, their, tums, their thumbs and their toes off. Yet, here I, you've done what, what I did to others, you did to me. Doesn't it feel good sometimes when you give the devil a slap of his own medicine? If he brings sickness, you provide healing. If he brings doubt, you bring faith. Isn't that exciting to, to step into someone's life that is obviously being battered and beaten by the enemy? And in just a few minutes of encouragement, word of encouragement, so the $9 story, so, so after I gave her the money, I said, what's your name? I think it was Brittany. I said, Brittany, let me have your hand. And, she, and I didn't tell her what I was going to do. I just had a word of prayer over it. Lord, let Brittany find her way home. Let her get back on the bus. Let good, good things overcome her. Bless her. And then I felt, I felt something weird. I looked up, and she's wailing. She just, she just, she's just like, I go, wow, I didn't mean to make you cry. But anyway, there's just, just something about impromptu. Do it. If, if, if you let that moment go by and say, man, I wish I, I sh this is what I should have done. I wish I should have done it probably was an angel that you could have entertained or some people from Alabama that need every blessing they can get. Hello. You never, you never know what God is up to. But you know, here what I notice: the very thing the enemy tries to put against us, he can't handle. The Bible says he went to Jerusalem and he died. He didn't survive the thumbs and, and the toes. He, don't, he did not survive. And that's why you've got to understand and believe and walk in the truth. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And sometimes God will put you in places where he will stretch you. I remember several years ago, I forgot her name. She was T-Bone. She was at Erlinger Hospital. They wouldn't let us go into the, the uh, ICU where she was at. So two or three guys found where the ICU window was, and they went on the outside of the building. They met Decker was one of them, and they laid, uh, Melinda, Melinda, they laid hands on the, on the building. 
27 times the doctor pronounced Melinda dead. Dead. She died. She would die. She'd come back to life. She would die. Doctor didn't know outside that building were three men of God. They weren't preachers. They weren't prophets. They weren't evangelists. They were men of God. And they laid hands on that, that hospital room. And Melinda, that was about five years ago, Melinda is still alive today, is going to church, is planted. She's focused. You never know when God's going to call you to raise the dead. But listen, if you don't practice on a cold, if you can't pray for somebody that has a cold, as soon as this service is over, I'm going to go slap Michelle around and rebuke that cough. So God brings people for us to pray. If you practice on a cough, you could possibly raise the dead. How crazy is that? And he died. So that, the, the, the point that I was making there is that we are stronger together. Let me retract that. I hate that. That stronger together. It's on TV. But we, we are, we, we are, we are. Hey, just a, just a footnote. If you've ever prayed, you better pray for your nation. If you've ever prayed, you better pray for your, all the hidden agendas, things going on. Go with, go with me, if you will, to 2 Kings. The sixth chapter. I'll paint a little picture. Elijah, the man of God, has rocked the world. Kings are afraid of him. He's raised the dead, called in a famine, healed the leper, powerful man of God. He dies. He leaves his mantle with Elisha. Elisha immediately begins to see if he has the same authority that Elijah had, and he did. And while they are together, there are about 50 in this school of prophets, and Elisha is a new kid on the block, yet the, yet the ones that were there were not offended that God raised Elisha up. They honored him as the prophet that God had restored after Elijah. And notice what they did in, in verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take there every man a beam, and let us make a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go. And one said, Go with us. And he said, I will go with you. One little tiny sentence in those four verses. One little tiny sentence. And the, it was, it's not just an, an inference. It was, it was a direct observation that Every man had a beam. And obviously the beams were for the foundation, the walls, the roof of the house. The beams were for, for a purpose. The beams were there to build the house of God. Now here's the challenge where there's usually, there seems to be a parting of the ways. Not only does every single person in this building have something that God has given that is so rare and so unique. It has your DNA all over it. No one else's DNA, no copycats, no substitutes, your fingerprints. No one else's fingerprints, your fingerprints. God has so divinely marked you and set you aside for what he's called you to do, and he's given you something. And, and you are the one that determines what that something is. If you've never taken a gifting, class, a gifting test, it's not a test you can fail. 
It's just a test that shows where your strengths, where you're really strong in. Some of you may be strong in evangelism. Some of you may be strong in giving. Some of you may be strong in sharing the ministry of helps, blessing the body of Christ. But without exception, there are no exceptions to this rule. Every single person within the sound of my voice, and this will go podcast. Uh, two years ago, we had 60,000 visits on our podcast. So this could touch somebody listening by podcast. Every single person that is committed to Christ has a beam. It's a gift. It's a talent. And you know what is so crazy? Sometimes it's something only you can do. Nobody else can do. But you are that, you are that, that it, I, I was watching, what was I watching? I was watching Blue Bloods last night, and Aaron was in the kitchen, and she was cooking, and Tom Sillick came in, and he did some, he did some tasting, and uh, he asked her, said, you, you, got some, you got something against salt? <laughs> you got something against you got some. Every one of us are salt. And everyone are a unique salt. And I was going to teach a sermon on how many different types of salts there are. There are 11 different salts. So it, it, you're not like somebody else, but God has made you unique. God has made you different. <coughs> and what is so crazy, when a praiser connects with a hearer of the word, and the hearer of the word begins to teach the praiser while they're praising, and the praiser, as an example, shows the hearer of the word how to praise two or one. Something, something happened. You give a part of you that brings fruit. You receive a part of them that receives fruit. And that's why God has put us into one another's lives. And that's a reason why a lot of people don't like to go to church because there are hypocrites. And let me tell you, hip, the church is the only place you're going to find hypocrites. You're going to find a hypocrite at a bar. Hello. You're going to find a hypocrite at a, dr at a drug deal. They're doing, they're doing what, what they do. And people say, well, I don't, I don't want to come to church because there's a hypocrite. And you know what I've learned? Here's God, and here's you. And if you let anybody get in between you and God, they're closer to God than you are. So if you let alibis and excuses and observations to keep you away from the place that you're watered, you're fed, you grow, you practice, you mature, you're equipped, you love. If you allow, then the enemy's won. He, he doesn't have to do anything. He's, 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 he, he leaves you alone. He has completed his task of discouraging you and depriving you and taking away your ability to shine. And every one of you, every one of you, God has placed that ability and talent in. And every one of you, when you begin to group with one another in a community, yesterday, there is no way, no way possible that three people could have pulled that off. There was no way <coughs> possible that 50 people could have pulled. No way. No way. Those of you are all aware of Queen for a day. We do their nails, their makeup, their hair, their jewelry, give them a beautiful purse, and, and, and take a glamour shot, and then feed them a special meal, and then have ministry. There's always a salvation call. There is no way that... I don't, probably over 100 yesterday, at least 100 workers, at least. Uh, do we have a count? A lot. So, so the reason Queen for a Day worked, because you did your part. And you know what? My part wasn't all that important. All I did was wash a sink full of dishes. But I washed them. I did it. I found something that I could do that would take pressure off of Pastor Rhonda. And to be honest and to be fair and to, to uh, blow my own horn, uh, every day this week, when I got out of bed, I asked Pastor Rhonda, what can I do today to take pressure off of you? What can I do today? 
And fortunately, her lists were short, and I was able to complete them and then go do my own thing, which was very little because it's so hot to do anything. But there's just something about it. Uh, uh, coordination in a marriage, coordination in a prayer group, coordination on the job. Some of you are now working with people. You're leading to the Lord. How crazy is that? And I'll share this story, and this will be the only short story that I will share. Um, as many of you know, I've been to Alaska several times. I've preached several conferences there. And I go in the middle of July when the fishing, there's no place in the world uh, like Ketchikan, Alaska uh, in July. There's no, there's no way to describe it. One day we're flying in around the, 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 bay, the bay there, and the pilot said, if you look to the left of the plane, you will see approximately a billion salmon headed to the river. And when you looked on this side of the plane, you saw the waves of the ocean. When you looked on this side of the waves, it was like millions of just little darts, little, little. And the good news was I was headed to that river. Got to Anchorage, d drove around the Kenai, went, got my fishing license. I already had tackle from the year before, went out to the river. And it didn't take minutes. At that time, the, uh, the limit was six. And they were 12 to 18 pounds apiece. And Gene, I mean, man, I got them. I threw them up on the bank. And uh, there were two of us there, and when we caught 12, I told them, I said, you know what, we better go and take these back to camp. No way, they're biting. We can't leave now. I said, no, we've, we've caught all that we can catch, and now we've got to take them back to camp. And so what I didn't tell him when we went out there is that there was a cliff, and we parked our car on the cliff, and then we walked down about 100 yards to fish. Well, I don't know how many salmon you can carry at one time uphill, uh, having jet lag and all this stuff to go with it. But, but, Jerry, it took us a long time to get the fish to the car. Then we got to the fish to the car, and we opened up the tailgate of the truck, and then we started flaying them, we started flaying them. And after about two hours, my buddy looked at me and said, man, I wish we'd only caught three. <laughs> so when you lead someone to the Lord, you can't leave them there on the bank to deteriorate. There's, there's, a, there's a process, and God has put you into their life to nurture them, to baby them, to love on them, make room for their mistakes, make room for their excuses, and be there when they need you to be there. Because there's a day coming when you're going to stand before God and people are going to stand before God and say, God, the only reason I'm here right now is because of that mechanic right there. The only reason I'm here right now is because of that carpet salesman right there. And we're going to stand before God and hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. How incredible how powerful is that? Every one of us have not just one beam, two beams. And I'll conclude with this thought. In Luke 7, in Matthew 7, and Luke, can't even read my own writing. Let's just say Luke 11 and go with that. Jesus tells a story. How dare you? Try to get the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a beam in your own. Now, mentally, that's a picture that's hard to see. You can't get a, you can't get a, a, a building beam. You cannot get that in your eye. But he was over-exaggerating to let you know how you really need to deal with this beam before you can address the other beam. And when you deal with this beam and you begin to focus on the beam of ministry, the beam of blessing, and you, be able, you begin to see things happen in the kingdom of God, it brings all kinds of good things to your heart and all kinds of good things to your spirit.
What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying get involved and don't be sloppy. Again, I apologize to those that have been with me for 28 years. You've probably heard this story 28 times, and I believe I've already shared it this year, but I felt like it was so fitting for this particular place where we're at right now. We leave this place this morning hopefully motivated, hopefully encouraged, hopefully blessed, hopefully with our eyes open, looking for someone to bless, someone to be a part of, hopefully. But know that every one of us have something to contribute. And there's a very good possibility that sometime today or sometime tomorrow, someone's going to call and say, Pastor Hank, I don't have any food. My family is hungry. We have absolutely nothing to eat. And I say to them, you know what? We will try our best to get you something to eat. But you know what? Meese, the only thing that I have to contribute to this meal is a container. That's all I've got. I don't, I don't have it. This is all i got. Oh, wait a minute. I've got a nail. Nail soup, I guess. That's all I've got. I don't have any water. I got a container. A container represents community. A cross represents Christ. This is all. This is all I got. Can anybody help me today? Feed a family one at a time. Three at a time. What have you got? Two cans of soup. Can anybody else help me today? What do you got? Two potatoes. Can anybody help me today? What have you got? Coffee. Everybody needs coffee. Can you help me today? What do you got? A gallon of water. I'm trying to feed a family today. Can you help me? What have you got? Two tomatoes. Beefsteak tomatoes. We're trying to do the work of the Lord today. Feed a family. Can somebody help me? Everybody loves Mountain Dew. <laughs> Want to feed this family today. Can anybody help me? What do you got? Onions for my soup. Box of crackers. Can't do it alone. But I can do it without you. I can do it with you. Can't do it alone. And you know what is so cool? The nail's completely covered. That's what the cross is all about. Doing good things for people with no desire of a reward. No desire of a thank you. You'd be surprised how many people I help that never say thank you. Someone texted me, I said, thank you. And I, and I texted her back, I said, thank you for saying thanks. Thank you for saying thanks. But this is what God has called us to do. To do. And together, we can do it. Father, we thank you for this season today. We thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the rain that has watered our gardens and has just cooled the temperature. All those factors we're so grateful for. A sun that shines, a toilet that flushes, running water, electricity, the things that over half the world does not have. We thank you for that. We thank you for the ability to come to a house where we can worship and praise you in any way we desire with balance, where we can hear the word and be fed and be blessed and leave with something to chew on to digest, to focus later in the week. Lord, you're sending us to a world that is dying. You're sending us, as that song says, souls are crying. Men are dying. Won't you lead them to the cross? 
go and find them. Help to win them. You told us to win the lost at any cost. If we've never led a person to the Lord, let us learn the scriptures of Roman road. That we, from the word of God, can lead someone to the Lord. If we've never prayed for anybody publicly, give us, give us courage. Give us that nudge. Give us that, give us that opportunity. And God, we are reminded if two of us are gathered together, we can accomplish great things. But if more are gathered, we can do anything you have commissioned and commanded and compelled this church to do. We thank you for that moment in Jesus' name. Amen.